Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Got a great show coming up because we've got a great guest for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, which is what we like to call things here on a Friday on the Scott Radley Show. Well, as I say, a great guest. I'm not even going to stall. I'm not even going to go on and on. I'm just going to bring her in because... We love when Annette Hom from CHCH Morning Live is able to make it in way past her bedtime. I had a nap. Say that, oh, let me turn the mic on. Then You had a nap? You, I had a nap. Well, I'm good. That, well, I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, we say this every single time, and then you come in and you look more awake than I am right now. Because <laughs> I had a nap. Yeah. I, yeah. I sat outside. I was saying to Scott Thompson just before we came on, I, I, I was visiting a friend today who's battling some health issues. He's got ALS, and we were able to sit outside and and... It was lovely, but then you realize, again, this time of year, three hours outside and it's Your like, skin hurts. <sighs> yeah, and you're also like, it, I'm ready for a nap. I'm ready for the nap you just had. Although I, I guzzled down two coffees and a cold coffee, I, I should be wild for the next two hours or crash. I'm not sure. It's going to be one or the other. I mean, do you get to, when you do the mornings, do you get to see any of what's going on or have you just been like as far as the enjoying the outdoors or do you just I have all afternoon off but you don't just go home and nap I I do go home and nap but then it's it's like I go for a walk in the afternoon I you know it's I spend lots of times outside it is uh your your timing because you get to work at what time 3 30 for, for those who are just tuning in, that's a.m. <laughs> that, but know. I'm finished at 11.30 a.m., which is like the best thing. I know. I See, I didn't realize until recently 3.30 a.m. still was a thing. Yeah, it's that a it's thing. Still, you know, I just sort of, when I go to sleep, I just assume everything stops and then restarts. <laughs> but uh, you either have the greatest schedule or the worst schedule. I'm not, I mean, you 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 make it sound like it's the greatest schedule. I, I am reasonably confident that I would die within three weeks of doing it. No, it it works for me. It works for me. When I fill in for Rick Zamperin occasionally here on the station, yeah, I am... What, what hours is that? Well, he starts at 5.30. Okay. So, you know, to, up at 4-ish. Um, no, I mean, not long after you, but here's the thing. The first day, I am always like ready to go because you're... First of all, you don't want to sleep through. Exactly. And so I'm not really sleeping because I'm afraid. I'm, and I have like seven alarms set. Every 15 minutes, my wife, by the time I've woken her up now because it's <laughs> ringing and, the, and I hit snooze and now the ring goes off with the snooze and it's like the bells of... Or the worst thing, you forget to turn the alarm off and you've got up and out of the room and it's like, oh! Yeah, yeah. Or you're in the shower <laughs> yeah. and, and four alarms are going. But yeah, so I'm not sleeping. But that's day one. By day three... I, I almost have really to have yeah. like a setup where the I've, I've got a pulley system grabbing my eye, eyelids and pulling them open out of bed because it's like oh and then by Friday it's like oh please <laughs> Rick come back <laughs> please could we not have another bout of COVID to keep us at home so I don't have to go in I can just do this from my basement in my you can just t-shirt. crawl out of yeah, bed exactly <laughs> still in your PJs that was that was the beauty of COVID not for TV. For for radio, that was for me. Yeah. It, when filling in for Rick, that was the beauty. That it was like, oh, I can. I'm doing this from home now. All good. I won't even say how horrendous I looked some mornings. What I was wearing some mornings. It's I, radio. It's radio. I I I've said this on the air before. I I had this thought at one time that just to be able to say said I did it. I thought I should do one show naked just to do it. I, and I could never bring myself to do it. Somehow. Thank the, you for that image. <laughs> somehow the thought, I always thought just to be able years from now, say I once did radio. And I just, every time I thought, well, today's the day I was like, I can't. I can't. I'm I'm gonna, f- people are going to know. <laughs> there's going to be either a video care or I'm going to sound different because I'm so self-conscious <laughs> about this. I don't know. Especially if you spill your hot coffee yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the first time I've done your show in, in person. Person yes. since before yes. the pandemic, before I was sit- sitting at my kitchen table. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, it Fully had, clothed. Well, th- yes. We, <laughs> I, I, it's funny. The only other thing that... Uh, so when that idea ever came, and again, I, I realized that if I had ever said afterwards, and by the way, just so you know, folks, you just know that that would have been the end of CHML. The listenership, oh, image, <laughs> no, I'm, I can't listen anymore. This is horrendous. Um yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, the closest, and it's really not close at all, but the closest that I remember anyone in TV doing something like this, and again, it's not even remotely the same, was 
when Ken Welsh was doing sports. Oh, he'd CFC, always wear shorts. He'd have his suit and tie yep. on. And when he would stand up after, if you ever were in the studio, he had shorts on and looking like he was half Hawaii and yeah. half business. <laughs> and I always thought, well, really? I mean, I kind of get it. But Ken, it's just a pair of pants. <laughs> it's, it's not asking a lot. It's just, you know. Our newsroom was hot. <laughs> I'm not sure that helped, though. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... I, I've, I mean, I don't know about you. I could wear shorts all winter long because shorts don't. Oh, you're like my husband, Daniel. I don't, I don't, but oh, I could, I could. could. I remember once him taking out the garbage in the wintertime in shorts and I'm like, oh, just to see I did it. <laughs> see, I just, uh, to me, the legs don't, uh, you know, your head affects your temperature. Your upper body affects your temperature. Your legs, uh, who cares? You, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got something wrong with me. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> maybe I need to go for a checkup. My legs have no thermostat anymore. <laughs> maybe that's a problem. There's a, a story that uh, was posted today by Matthew Van Dongen from The Spectator. And the headline is, will construction ever begin on Hamilton's off-again, on-again LRT project? And I think this is honestly a question that a lot of people are asking, is what the heck is going on and is this thing really going to happen? I, I saw Matt's headline today and I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like, will it? Because, you 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 know, we were supposed to be in the middle of, of like traffic chaos right now along King Street because everything was going to be ripped up. They had to do the the water things first. And all, yeah, all the infrastructure stuff. All, all the infrastructure stuff, stuff first. And, and other than some houses being torn down and, and fences going up, we haven't really seen much. And not only have we not seen much, I, I think the city quite honestly has, I don't want to say, well, I'll say drop the ball. I think communication has been terrible on this. The fact that we're having to ask this question as opposed to everyone saying, oh, well, here's the reason why this has been, I, I COVID clearly, but beyond that, I, I mean, communication should have been a lot better that we don't have to be asking this question quite mm -hmm. honestly. But let me go to the broader question because in, in his piece, and people can read it again, it's at thespec.com. You can go and read it. The answer is, oh yeah, it's going to happen for sure. We're just, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there's under the water. Tender the, process. Yeah. Under the water, the duck's feet yeah. are flapping, but the duck isn't moving very fast. Do you believe the LRT is going to happen? Yes. You do. You yep. still do. As designed, that, the, do you think it's going to look the way yeah, we've been promised? Yeah, that's interesting because the, the article explains like there could be a, uh, an LRT 2.0. Well, we at one time, and I can't remember the exact number. Somebody out there will know because they are diehards on this. I mean, the number of stations was going to be higher than it was, or mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the length has changed a number of times and all this stuff. I... I, I'm telling you, there is one part of this that makes me have some doubt, and I'll tell you what it is. I don't believe for a second that the $3.4 billion price tag is still going to cover the cost. Oh, no, because of inflation, because yes. of supply issues, right, and the cost. All those things. I don't believe $3.4 billion is going to come close now. And so are the higher levels of government going to say, who are already swimming in debt, are they going to say, oh yeah, sure, it's 5 billion, Pfft, we're good for the extra almost 2 billion. Or are they at some point going to say, Hamilton, you've got to chip in some for this. Or is it going to be a lean RT? Yeah, well, I mean, look, it, it, you'll recall, everyone will recall that for the entirety of this discussion under Fred Eisenberger before, the point was, we're not paying a dime. There was a chunk of council that said, we will not pay a dime in capital towards this. We're, we'll maybe go along with it, but we're not throwing in. What happens? And I don't know this is going to. I, I don't know this is going to. I don't believe this price is accurate anymore, but maybe the upper levels of government come through and say, hey, we committed, we'll do it. But what happens if they come to the city and say, you're, you're on the hook for $300 million, $500 million? Do you think the people of Hamilton support that kind of no, I don't think so. money for it? I don't think so. And I'm not... And, and I wonder too, you know, is, is part of the, is part of the stall, I don't want to say stalling because I'm sure that delay. work is going on, but it's, it's just the, you know, the, the communication that we're getting. I wonder too, if it's, is it a shortage of labor? Uh, that could that be, there could be, there could be some of that. I, you know, I don't know. I just, as I say, I, I talked to someone once upon a time and it was not that long ago who knows the construction industry. And one of the things that person said is, you know, 3.4 might still do it. And I said, how? And the person said, well, because they always build in 
buffers here to make sure they can cover it. Well, I would be shocked if they built in enough buffer for the kind of inflation we've seen, we've seen yeah. that was completely unexpected. This is not within the usual range that we've seen for the last, what, 20 years, 25 years. So I'd be shocked if this was not up in price. I'd be shocked. If they could say, we can do the project as we had laid it out, as it's been drawn up for the price that we said two years ago, I will fall out of my chair. But again, it just comes down to, will the federal and provincial government say, doesn't matter, we're still good for it. Doesn't matter what the cost goes to, we're still good for it. And I, I don't know if I think that'll happen. And what's the cost to cancel? Well, it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars now. That's, that money has already been spent, um, which would be outrageous to just throw that money away. But is it more? All right. So let me ask you this. And again, anyone who's listening, we are not saying Hamilton is going to be asked to pay whatever. What if? Okay. But what do you think Hamiltonians say if the choice is we can cancel and we flushed $150 million down the toilet or we can proceed and your taxes are going to have to cover $150 million. Yeah, it would be certainly, I, I think the vote would be split or, or, or the favor would be split of, of where you're asking people within the city. Yeah, I think there are people who it doesn't matter what the cost is, want this to happen. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I think there are people who it doesn't matter if it was free. Don't want absolutely. it to happen. They would say, I don't care. I don't want yeah. it to happen. Those people are dug in. Because that infrastructure work still needs to be done though. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. And, you know, I, yes. So, so you've got the group, as I say, you've got the absolute yes. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I want this done. You've got the absolute no under no circumstances. And I think there's an awful lot of people in that mushy middle who probably are okay with it, but I'm not sure that if it came onto their municipal tax dollars, if suddenly they are not saying, yeah, no, thanks. No, I don't need it that much. Now, the question would be, would council listen to that? Or would you have to do a referendum? We should have done, honestly, Annette, we should have done a referendum on this at the beginning. I've said that from the very beginning. This is, this is a city altering project, more so than the, or a stadium even. This is something that I really believe because of the scope of it and everything else, this is something we should have had a referendum on. And I don't know why we didn't. I don't know why there was such adamant resistance to a referendum. And yet we sent out the questionnaires for the urban boundary thing happily. And is it because we didn't want necessarily to know what the answer would have been? Mm -hmm. Or we think a referendum doesn't give a scientific Answer? Well, if that's the case, why did we do the urban boundary thing? Because that was essentially a referendum of sorts. And if we're saying that we really needed to know what people's view on the urban boundary was, why did we not really need to know? And I know also some people say, well, the, the Vito Scro Fred Eisenberger election was a referendum of sorts when they ran for mayor and Vito was very much against it and Fred was very much mm -hmm. for it. That's a, there is something to that for sure, but a, a, an election is never about only, that was pretty close to only one thing, but I don't know. I, I just, uh, I say I'm, I, there's a part of me that just expects that the fact that nobody in any of these interviews, and I've asked Metrolinx and I get no answer. I know that Matthew has asked Metrolinx, the fact that they will never discuss the cost of this and what has changed just makes me suspicious that this is now way more than 3.4 billion. And that then becomes, to me, the entire question here. Who's going to pay for that? And if it's the province or the federal government, probably nothing changes. We, we slowly proceed along, but I tell you, I, I have a pretty good guess what the response would be in the city, as you've just said. Mm -hmm. If suddenly they said, yeah, it's up to five, but you guys now, we, we can't do everything. You're on the hook for $500 million. Or one or one hundred million dollars. I don't know. It's an interesting one. The, the piece is called "Will Construction Ever Begin on Hamilton's Off Again On Again LRT Project?" The answer, by the way, in the piece, to sort of a spoiler alert here, but uh, is yes. However, there are also people who will say, uh, "I'm living in Missouri. Show me. I'll believe it when I see it." And <laughs> 
Honestly, I think an awful lot of people probably fall into that category now. You can tell me all you want. I'll believe it when I see the road dug up. Shovels in the ground. Shovels in the ground. Because wasn't this shovel ready? Didn't we hear that phrase? Shovel ready was supposed to be 2021? Or 20... Of of course, the pandemic. And again, I get that. that all up. Yeah. but, uh, But I think we've heard the term shovel ready on this project so many times. And maybe the shovel is ready. It just hasn't been used yet. <laughs> it's <laughs> they, here. It's here. <laughs> they've got it in a glass box. You just have to break the glass and begin with in the case shovel. It's an emergency. Uh, we talked earlier this week on the show about a really interesting story that was in the Toronto Star and the Hamilton Spectator about Waterloo University has this grading system that it's not made public, really. They don't announce it, but they've been doing this for a while now to find out the schools that are sending students out of high school with grades that are inflated as they describe them. And so what they do is they have, they've looked at over a number of, over a period of time, the grades that kids apply to their university with and then get accepted with and then how they do after first year. And that gap is the sort of the grade inflation index. And the number one school, according to this report this year, uh, the number one school in Ontario is Ancaster High School. Now, it's not the only one that does this, but it was, you know, there are lots of schools that seem to be doing this. And one of the questions, Annette, that came out of this, out of my discussion with Paul Bennett from Schoolhouse Institute was, is this then a sign or a hint or a time to say, let's bring in some sort of standardized university application test. So everybody takes the test who wants to apply to a college or university. And then it's not on the schools to keep pumping up marks if that's what they're doing or it's to on really the grade to hard. Keep training towards the standardized testing. And some say, and I know there are critics because like EQAO, some say, well, then teachers just teach what is on the EQAO test and they don't really teach anything. They just want to make sure. But if you didn't know what was going to be on there every year, right? It changed every year. How do you, I. Do the SATs change every year? I I don't don't really know know much about the SATs. Well, they have to. They have to, because if they didn't, all that would have to happen is one person would sneak an exam, a test out of the test and people would write the books and you could get a hundred percent every single time. They have to change. But I just, I know there are people who would say, you know, this may affect certain area, certain demographics where the teaching is not as good or the schools are rough or they're first generation Canadians and there's a language barrier. There's a lot of different things. But I would also say, but are they not also being affected by schools that are giving easier grades that are allowing those students to get into university? This to me seems like the perfect idea. I I think it's a great idea too. And and, and two, it's, it's... I, I mean, how well you do at your first year of college or university is also what course you took, how how even living away, like if you are living away, how how you cope with that. Like, how, how did you do your first – did you go to college or university? I went to university. I went to Ryerson when it was uh, – Ryerson. When it was, <laughs> yes, when it was Ryerson, and it was for journalism school. I was living at home in Toronto still. I lived in Toronto, grew up in Toronto. Um, but it was, you know, it was different. Certainly your Mm -hmm. life is different and they, they, they do acknowledge two things. First of all, this is Waterloo engineering that they use this thing for. So you're talking about bright kids, right? Adults. Uh, the other thing they say is they acknowledge that everyone's marks are going to go down in first year from high school because of the things you talk about. There's always going to be some, it's harder, it's harder. So there's going to be some. And so I don't think they're saying, you know, if we, if you got in with a 94 and you don't get a 94, look at the, every school had a, a gap. It's just some schools had huge, huge gaps. Because you were telling me, what was, what was the gap with uh, Ancaster? Well, according to the story, if you got into Waterloo with a 94, they equated that to a 72.6. Like it's, it's, it's a huge, huge. it's a huge number. And you're not getting into any school with a 72.6. And here's where this thing gets really difficult because as Paul Bennett said on the air, if all of a sudden we tried to fix this and not just at Ancaster, at all these other schools, if Mm -hmm. we tried to fix it by saying, you know what, start to mark harder. How do you think parents are going to react? Not well. (laughs) If one year in grade 11, your kid is getting a 90 and then the next year they're getting a 70. Parents will lose their minds at the school and the teachers, and now they're the bad guys. So I don't know how you undo this. 
other than by having a universally standard test that everybody takes. And everybody takes if they're going into a certain— Right. Because you think, too, there's there's so many kids that, you know, university or college isn't necessarily— maybe it's a trade school, maybe it's apprenticeship. Absolutely. And, I, and we've underscored that way too much. We have somehow made it that if you don't go to university— You're a failure. And that yeah. is far yeah. from the truth. That exactly. is far from exactly. the truth. We've somehow made it that it's a rite of passage, and if you don't do it, you have dropped the ball. There are tons of kids who are going to make a great living and be fantastic as an electrician or a plumber or a whatever, whatever. But for those, yes, for those who do want to go, I don't see any kind of fairer way than to do a universal standard test. And if the answer, Annette, is... Well, you know what? Some of those kids who are in downtown schools, this is going to penalize them. Two things. First, that's pretty racist. Yeah, that's an overarching comment there. That yeah. they can't succeed. No, they can succeed. And secondly, okay, so then let's make sure that the teaching at those schools and all the schools picks up so that this, this to me, the other thing this would do, this would put a spotlight on schools that need to have help from the board. And fix things up. If all of a sudden everyone is getting a 50 at a certain school, well, you better fix that school. Mm -hmm. That is, is this not, in addition to making it more level, is this not also a great tool potentially to help fix schools? I think. Well, how, how have the standardized testing, uh, what is it in grade, is it grade three? Three, and six and nine, I think is it, e, or eight, EQAO. And, and here, you know, part of the blowback or pushback against this, there are people who hate EQAO. Mm -hmm. A lot of teachers hate EQAO because they say we have to teach to EQAO as opposed to teaching. I also think that... Maybe you teach to the basics of EQAO, but still, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a teacher would find a way to teach what they really wanted as well. There are fabulous teachers out there that, that can make it work. Yes, there are, and and it always any time there is great pushback against something like this, I I always ask, okay, why? Why is there? Yeah, who, who is pushing, and why is the pushback? And is this because certain people are worried either that their kid is now not going to look as brilliant because now they're at a, facing tougher grading? Or that it's a teacher worried that it's going to make them look bad because their students aren't getting good grades. And you wonder too, with, with kids who have had very, very high grades and, and then expect to get those high grades in the first, like year one, year two of university and don't, how many just quit? Because I, I, I'm held up to that standard. I can't do it. What's the I'm thing, not good enough anymore. What's the thing we, we're talking about in our society all the time, you know, mental health. Yeah. You don't think that it's, I, I would, would believe that if you're a kid who's got 95 all your life and then you get a 75 at university, we're not helping kids' mental health. If, if this is one of the things we're trying to do too, why are you setting kids up to For fail? failure. If you know that you're sending kids, and again, this is not one school, this, this, this list, this piece showed dozens of schools that are in this, in this area, probably every school in Ontario. If you know you're going to push a kid out of your program and they are going to go, how is that helping anyone? Who is that helping? Other than to get them into the school to then, you know, and some of them will, some of them will be fine. Some of the kids will adapt. And, and some of them legitimately are 95 students. Mm -hmm. Paul Bennett, one of the other things he said that I thought was so interesting is, and it's absolutely true, if everybody gets 95, where do the really good kids go? Like there's not a big gap. You can't give Johnny, who is the best and brightest, 100% in everything. So if everybody is getting, if, if now all the decent kids are getting 95, there's not a lot of room to show no. for the really great kids, which is a problem to me as well. Because if I was one of those really great kids, do I really want to be 1% higher than Bob who <laughs> is, you know, I know he's not as smart as me. And how are they inflating grades? Because I, I guess it must be on subjective marketing. marketing but this right? is for so engineering. 
So this yeah. would be math and stuff. So I, I'm not entirely sure even how. Like I can see like in English or history, or like yes. you're writing essays, you're okay, yeah, you didn't quite grasp that kind of thing. But but if it's a if it's a right or wrong answer, how do you inflate that? But are we doing all right or wrong answers now? Or are we a lot of times showing, oh, well, you, you showed thought process. Say so once upon a time, I mean, I'm older than you. When I was in school, um, if it was math, you either got the answer or you didn't get yeah, the you answer. You didn't have to show your work. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you did in the sense that like if it was division or something, yes. like you had to show how you did the division, but I didn't have to explain, here was my thought process behind it. It's just, I did it. I did it or I didn't do it. And yeah. now clearly there's got to be something else going on that even in engineering, we can have this gap of some kind. And I, you're right. It's a great question about how, how does this happen? Because in, in arts, yeah, absolutely. No problem. I could see how you write an essay and the teacher wants to be kind or likes you or doesn't like you or I wish that had been my excuse. <laughs> why, <laughs> if my parents were still here, if I could have come up with a good excuse for why my mar- teacher just didn't like me. Didn't like me. Didn't like me. They like Bobby better. <laughs> Um, okay. So Annette, we, uh, you guys on CHCH, we and the spectator here on the air, we have all talked about this. I'm, I'm not even going to add an adjective. This guy, I won't even put a, 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 a the guy the who's inline skater the on the link. On the link. Uh, I have many words that I would like to use, but I will just say the guy who was skating on the link and yesterday or the day before one of the last couple of days, I was talking about the story that you guys had and we had and the spec had about the teenage bicyclist who was involved in seemingly in a collision with a car mm-hmm. and got a ticket from the police. While he was being treated in hospital. Yes. Yes. And I'm still, I had the lawyer on when I was filling in for Scott Thompson earlier in the week. The bike lawyer. Yes. Yeah. The bike lawyer. I'm still not entirely sure I understand what happened. By the sounds of it, he was on the sidewalk maybe and the car turned and he collided with the car. That's it. Anyway. The question I have is we always hear, always hear, got to crack down on cars, got to crack down on cars. It's too dangerous. The cars are, and I don't think anyone actually has an issue with that, that we should be enforcing traffic laws by cars. I don't think I drive a car. I don't have a problem if I'm being enforced. I, but should we be having equal enforcement for everybody who uses the road? If a cyclist does break the law and ride on a sidewalk, or if a pedestrian jaywalks and goes into a car or whatever, should the enforcement be across the board? Across the board. And it's interesting because I was talking to our assignment editor last night who had been talking to police about the rules on the road. And and it's very unclear, but it's she was telling me that no one can cycle on the sidewalk. Right. So so if if you have a six-year-old who is learning to ride a bike they're not even supposed to be right on the sidewalk. Which I didn't and realize. It, and I'm like, how unsafe is that? <laughs> well, I guess you go to a parking lot somewhere I, or a I park guess, or something. But, but uh, it's just the, the, the question really to me is I, you know, I listened to the lawyer and I, I really appreciated him coming on and, and explaining everything. And he's very passionate about defending this cyclist. I've seen and heard stories of cars that have been ridiculous and done things and wiped out cyclists. Mm-hmm. And by and large, they get charged with those kind of things. I've also been driving in the city and more than a few times seen cyclists act like complete knobs. And I never, this is the first time that I can remember. Now we don't know about all of them, but y- you rarely hear about a cyclist being charged with anything. And I believe that cyclists can also lead to problems on the road. They don't drive, they don't have the same size vehicle, so they may not be the same every, but. Impact. Sure. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. I was driving along Golf Links Road a few years ago, and there was a cyclist driving along the edge by the curb. And so I gave this person as wide a berth as I possibly could. I mean, probably 10 feet or 12 mm-hmm. feet. So there was, he wasn't going to think I was going to Because you know him. what it feels like to be riding on the side of the road. And and, a- and right as I was getting up to him and I had pulled, so I was hanging now over the middle line. Mm-hmm. He, without notice, without notice, without anything, swerved to not go over a sewer grate and swerved right in front of my car. 
and I had to slam on my brakes. And I'm thinking, if I had hit that person, you would. I'm going to get charged. Probably, yeah. And I had done everything right. And I'm thinking, but why? To me, if you're going to use the road as a pedestrian, as a cyclist, as a driver, you should all be facing the same level of enforcement. If you break the rules, you should be charged. But we don't do that, I don't think. Maybe the police would say otherwise. I don't think that we, I don't think we do though. Yeah, it's, 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 and back to the inline skater guy, I'm, they didn't charge him. I don't understand that at all. Well, I, I believe it was a mental health issue because I had, I had emailed the police. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm like looking for, you know, were there charges laid? And it was, no, there were not. But did, okay, but the, the way the story, as I understand it was, they sort of just let the person go. But if it was a mental health issue, then probably you don't, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's, even if it's a mental health issue, why, if, if someone was driving their car and was having a mental health issue, would you simply have said, oh, it was a mental health issue? You would have laid a charge mm. and then it would have gone and to then court it would, and you would have sort of, oh, I was having a mental health situation. And then it might get dropped. And yeah. it might get dropped because yeah. of the circumstance. I just, to me, it should be those who are using the road should be following the rules of the road. Everybody not, plays by the same. I'm not prejudging this kid on the bicycle. We don't know the story yet. I don't know that. I'm just, it, it just brings up the discussion. It, if you're on the road, you should follow the rules of the road. If you jaywalk. And you should know the rules of the road, well, right? As like a driver, signaling. you have to. Yeah. But as, as a cyclist, signaling, even as a pedestrian, knowing where and when it's, it's a good idea to cross. There, I don't, well, I know the fact if you were to, if you were to speed in a part of town where there's not a traffic sign right there and you say, oh, I didn't know, that's not a defense. Yeah. You are, it is your obligation to know. So the same thing for a cyclist. If you're going to turn, when you were a kid, did they not have at your school, Elmer, the safety elephant yes, come and yes. show you, you want to turn right, your arm goes up at a exactly. right angle. If you're turning yeah. left, you point the way you're going. If you're stopping, it's hand down by your side with a palm towards the car. So people behind you know. Whatever happened to that? Yeah. You see it every once in a while, but not a lot. Usually with a lovely elderly person who's on their ring, ring bike and they do the hand signs. Oh, the bells. The yeah, bells the bell. are... Yeah, because I walk the trails a lot, and and you know it, it it says you know for cyclists to please ring the bell so that so that people know, and and sometimes like they just don't. So I'm I'm always thank you for the bell. Thank you. For, <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, but not thank you for the person who has the old horn right behind them. <laughs> yeah, right a wooga. <laughs> yeah, I want someone to put on their bicycle one of those train horns one time. <laughs> Get up right behind someone on the path and hit that thing. We'll see how strong people's bladder, the hikers' bladders are. <laughs> be a real test. Great. I'll be one of those. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Well, Annette will report back <laughs> later on. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. As I say, Annette Hom from CHCH Morning Live with us, looking very awake thanks to her afternoon nap, even Thank though she's you. been up since at work since 3.30, up at... 2.30. Oh, every time you talk. It was a late that. night last night too. I was at the Chief's Gala. Yes. And and I had to slip out at nine o'clock. I didn't get dessert. I was very disappointed. Yeah. Okay. So if the Chief is listening, can he please bring <laughs> a dessert? Just send me a dessert. I'm sure you I heard the crepes were very good. I'm sure you can find Annette's address in the system somehow. <laughs> you know where I live. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if not, you can find out. Just, uh, you know, all those uh, previous charges and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming in. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks really for having appreciate me. this. So it's great to be in studio again. It, it is. It, it is so much better to be in studio. It really is. I mean, you know, as I said last hour, COVID, we did what we did during COVID and it was great that we had the technology to be able to do. I mean, I can't even imagine and we're, I know we're past well, most people consider us well past COVID now, and why are we talking about this? But Knockwood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't even imagine what would have happened in our society without the technology we had. If we didn't have Zoom and we didn't have, you know, Wi-Fi and we didn't have these kind of things, uh, what would we have done? What would we have done? I still went into work every day. I was, I was actually grateful that I had to go into work every day. 
Yeah, but we, you we were, were separated. Yes. Oh, man. You and Bob separated Cowan were in a different time zone. It, it seemed that way, yes. Yeah. When you would talk to Bob, there was an echo before it would get to him. It was <laughs> you, <laughs> time you, delay. You had to alert <laughs> him. That you're, delay. You had to alert I'm him you were going to talk. You had a, an in house flugelhornist to play. To <laughs> la- <laughs> oh, no. In their Bob, own room. <laughs> yeah, Bob's listening. Oh, there's a message coming. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it's, and I, you know, I'll say, does it surprise you though, that there are still people who are wearing masks? Does it surprise you? Oh, no, I, I will wear a mask and, and we have a policy at work that if you are sick, uh, not necessarily COVID, if you have a cold or you're not feeling well, you should wear a mask. And that I would say, sure. And, and you know what? I think that's going to become the norm and you non-COVID. Know I think every flight I go on, I will wear a mask because... Will you? Yeah, because I always catch a cold when I'm on a flight. And after wearing a mask, I do not. Yeah. And you're used to wearing a mask now, right? So... I'll I'll uh, I'll be honest, and some people won't like this. When, when I see people now wearing masks, and I understand there are people who are immunocompromised mm-hmm. still, and elderly, and that kind of thing. So I, it's not a it's not a general statement. I mean, if I see an older person with it, it's like yeah, okay, I get. But uh, sometimes I look and I see people who are young and healthy looking, and I'm like. Really? And I mean, look, it's not my place. It's not oh, my... See, I see them and I think, good for you. Oh, see, I, I'm, the, I, I, I'm kind of the opposite. It's like, you know, we're we're kind of past it. Like, get over it. And I know that we're it not... It could be somebody, though. It could be it, maybe uh, not them immunocompromised. It could be somebody absolutely. in their household. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not oh, you are. S- you're being judgy. No, I'm being... Well, maybe a little <laughs> bit. It's more that I catch myself just thinking, what are you still doing? with it. But again, I mean, I'm not saying that there's nobody who has a reason to do it. I just, it it strikes me as odd now when I see it. And I've never gone up to someone and say, take off your mask, you idiot. I mean, I would never do that. You've got your reason for doing it. Mm -hmm. I just, it, I'm almost back now to the time before COVID when you would see someone walking around with a mask and you're like, what are you, Michael Jackson? Like what's, what's the deal? But I've almost come the full loop now that we've gone. Okay. And now the only other thing I've got is a, at home, I've got a bushel full of masks. What do we do with all yeah, these I know. masks? And, and, and I have so many, yeah, of the, like I've got boxes of <laughs> the paper, the disposable ones. And then I've got all these other ones that, no, I, I can't tell you how many Disney, Disney masks. Oh I yeah. Have. I have a lot. <laughs> well, th- I'll say this, that, um, that uh, there were a lot of companies that did very well latching on to the mask business early on. But are now out of business. Yeah, but they probably made a good buck yeah, if they yeah. were if they were smart, get in, get out. How many other, you know, business opportunities? Get in, get out. You stay too long, you lose. But if you uh and I bought a few of them as usually as a joke. See something funny. I, I probably bought f- not for myself, for other people, for my wife or whatever. I probably bought five masks on Amazon or someone else of a funny mask and you know, we were talking in the break about cleaning out our basements and doing this thing. 20 years from now, we're going to go down there and find this box of masks. What and, are they using these for? Yeah. And the kids will be like, why, you know, the grandkids yeah. by that point, <laughs> why do you have these? Was this for Halloween? No, no. <laughs> no. Let me tell you about the summer of 2020. <laughs> the many summers. <laughs> yes. That is, yeah, that is true. Hey, um, she won't be wearing a mask. She won't be going at all. What do you think? So we heard this week that Meghan Markle is not going to the coronation, but Prince Harry is going to go. Yeah. Are you are you someone that gives two rips about this at all? About this particular thing? About no. the whole thing. About the whole thing. No. About the coronation. Will you be? I mean, you'll. Yeah, I, I'm going to be watching the coronation. I was going to say, will you be up? Yeah, you'll be up to watch. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But does that intrigue you, the coronation period? Yes, yes, it does. It For kinda, all of the, uh, f- there's so much symbolism yes. and so many, so much history in that. It kind of does to me too, not that I'm a monarchist, but it hasn't happened in 70 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I want to watch it. I've never seen a coronation. That's right. Yes. I've never seen one. So yeah. I would like to see it. And I think there will be a lot of people who will be tweeting out about how stupid it is and all this stuff. And it's like, come on, again, like get over yourself. Yeah. It's a, it's a tradition. It's a, it's also a religious ceremony. It's, it's a heritage thing. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't make him king. He's already king. Yes. But 
Yeah, I, I think this whole, like, is Harry going to go? Is Meghan going to go? It doesn't matter because it's not about them. No, but I kind of, there is a, there is a deep, dark, somewhat sadistic side of me that wanted her to go. Because I think, and I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I think she is so despised over in England that I would have liked to have seen the reaction if she was, and him. I think he's going to get it too. I think there are going to be people who are going to be. Although he was, he was in England. Uh, was it last week or the week before? Because he was on Fleet Street. He was uh, testifying in, um, it, it was one of the the lawsuits yeah, I, I, but was he in public? Was he doing much in public? I don't know if he was, but he was outside and, yeah. and there were fans there. I just, I think it's a fascinating thing that, to see how the public will react. Because I think they, I think a lot of people in England, if you read the stories, certainly the media over there feel really chaffed by mm-hmm. the way that they've been portrayed and that the people there are, the media is racist, not racist, the media is, is, well, racist, yeah, against Megan. Yes. Although, I, I I read something quite a while back by a reporter for there. I can't where it was or where where the story was, who said, you know, we're being called racist for hating Meghan Markle. Two things: one, did we not give the most glorious coverage when they had their wedding? And two, for the longest time, I didn't even know that she was black. That was what the person said. She's, and, and I mean, I don't know what you make of that one, but it's like, I, I, I think she has made a bed over there with the interviews with Oprah and with some of the other things. I don't know that there's ever going to be a chance for her to go back over there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't. Well, I mean, and she doesn't have to go back over there because she. Well, she never will have to go back over there. Yeah. But now he is sort of drawn into this and, and, and honestly, I've also seen a lot of people debating who's the bad one. If there's a bad one, if there's a villain in this partnership, is it really oh, there her? Are so many players. Or is it him who's the villain? He's the one who's turned on his family, but it's, um. Or is it the family and, and he's just exposed it and there's just it's so, so many facets It's this. so much, but I just, I just don't have you, know. Have you read his book? No. I, I haven't read it either. No, I Not haven't. Not to say I won't read it, but I just haven't. Yeah. I just think it's such an interesting thing that at this moment to go there when this is supposed to be entire, it's supposed to be entirely about King Charles. I almost called him Prince Charles again. It's entirely supposed to be about King Charles. I wonder if he still writes Prince on his checks. <laughs> if he forgets, you mean sometimes? <laughs> um, if, if when Harry shows up, I think he steals it now. I think he becomes the thing that everyone's looking at now, the person that everyone's looking at. Because he is so... I'm sure Charles is is glad, though, that it's not Andrew that everyone's looking at. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, that's right. Maybe there's a secret good thing that came out of this. Oh, they forgot about Andrew. Well, apparently, I, I was reading today that because he is not a working royal, he won't have, Harry won't have, and, and neither will Andrew because he's not a working royal, royal anymore. Um, they will there's not have a... lot have of them that are not working these days. ...official, an official part yeah. Of the, of the coronation. They'll be sitting in Westminster or whatever it is. Um, it is Westminster West, Abbey. Yeah, Westminster Abbey behind one of the columns. <laughs> They'll have the obstructed view seat. <laughs> obstructed like, view. like at Fenway Park when you're sitting behind the pole <laughs> and you have to peer around it. You'll just, who's that? Oh, there's Harry peering around the pole next to Andrew who's peering around the pole. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's uh, I, I say, I kind of wish that I, just for the drama, I wish that she was going, that the whole group yeah. was going, just to see what would, you know, and we may be completely wrong. They may be beloved over there because they've been less stuffy. Although I, I don't know. I don't know. I either. don't know. I was watching, and some people saw this um, online because it, it somehow went everywhere. And I don't know why, because normally we don't get a lot of, Australian 60 Minutes. I didn't know they had an Australian 60 Minutes. And you want to know something? It's better than the North American. Oh, yeah. The Australian 60 Minutes is really good. If you ever get a chance to look at it, they do really interesting stuff. But they did a piece with Justine Bateman, who was Mallory on Family Ties. Yeah. Yo, Mallory. Mallory. Um, And uh, the story is that she's now 57 years old. She's not, we're not 
telling tales out of school. She's quite open about it. And how, how do I say this? She looks 57 years old. She looks like a 57-year-old woman looks. What and does yet, a 57-year-old well, woman look like? No, but I mean, okay, she looks like a 57-year-old could look. Let's put it that okay. way. That she, you know, she's not. She hasn't had work done. That's exactly the point of this story. And she is being called brave because she is allowing herself to look like she does at 57 years old. And I'm listening to this and I'm watching the story and I, I thought it was really interesting. That's and what I, the story was about? Well, about her and about Paulina Poritskova. Okay. Who was the supermodel. Yes. We used to be married to Rick Ocasek from, from the cars. From yes. And she too is now not, she's never had work done. And she is, I don't know how, she's a little bit older, I think. She might even be 60, but I mean, roughly the same age. But let her hair go gray and not getting, and these women are being called brave for allowing themselves to not be nipped and tucked in it. And I'm thinking, when did it become brave to have a wrinkle. To be yourself. Well. Yeah. You know, and look, I suppose it's brave if you were not bathing and you were going out looking as horrible as you possibly could. But that's not what this is. She's, there's no, she's just not getting her hair she's done by a stylist every day. And being she's, herself. She's putting some eyeliner. I mean, I'm not even the makeup person here, but putting some, some <laughs> eyeliner <laughs> and that looks like it. Like when she was doing this interview, that's all that appears. I didn't, I can't tell, but it looks like there's no other makeup. When did that become brave? Yeah. And, and, you know, guys don't do that. And, and some, they're, but most don't. They're not, you know, are they brave? Are you brave for going out with no makeup? Uh, well, okay, so no, I'd be more brave if I wore makeup, I think. But, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know that that's exactly the fair comparison, only because culturally guys wouldn't normally wear makeup. But yeah. okay, but but, but would I be? But to have work done. That's the that would yeah, be more to have okay. Work done. So or you know like as well, you can't see it's radio right now. There is a. You look fabulous, by I have a forehead that extends from my eyebrows to the nape of my neck. <laughs> um, it is a lot of skin on the top of my head. Should I have gotten plugs or should I wear a toupee? Although so, to any guy who wears a toupee, I'm sorry, I'm going to break some news to you. We can all we tell. We all know. We can all tell. You may think you have the most cleverly disguised toupee. We can spot it at a hundred yards. There is no good toupee. I'm sorry if you're listening and you're wearing one, but when like a guy like Burt Reynolds, who had all the money in the world and was one of the most famous movie stars, couldn't pull it off without people knowing. Or Frank Sinatra. If Frank Sinatra couldn't find someone to get a toupee that was convincing, yeah. you have no hope. <laughs> but so, okay, back to the point. Uh, if so, if yeah, if a guy doesn't do that, I, I don't think guys, for sure, I don't think guys are held, well, they're the same held to standard. Yeah, exactly. And I don't that's, think they that's are. the problem. It is a problem for sure, but even here, I it sounded like by watching this 60 Minutes episode that it's not generally guys who are saying to Justine Bateman. Oh, oh, it's other old. women. It's other oh, women. Oh, I got to tell you, most of the complaints that are the, not the complaints, the nasty emails I get or the nasty phone messages I get about my appearance are from women. And what, okay, so... What would someone say about your appearance? Oh, you know, they hate my hair. Am I retiring? When's that going to happen? And Come and on. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are people who actually f think it's important to sit down and send a note to this, to do this. That's what social media is all about. <laughs> I just, okay. So, I, I mean, I had heard people say that before who work in TV. I kind of thought that would be people who are... No shot, but people who are working on the like national Today Show or mm, something. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. think that here it would be the same, but okay. But again, it seems like, okay, I, I think that we talked on the show some weeks or months ago, when was the Grammy Awards, when Madonna made her appearance. Yes. And quite honestly looked, I, I don't care what Madonna says, she looked horrible. Madonna looked... She looked... She didn't look like Madonna. She didn't. I, I'm sorry. She looked horrible. And at the time, I said, what's wrong with being a woman who has 
lived some years and you've got some wrinkles to show for the life that you've lived. What is the problem with that? You look way worse having done this and now looking like some plastic well, surgeon. Remember Kenny Rogers when he had yes. all his work done? It was like, oh, why? It, there, again, like what we said about the toupees, almost always you can tell when someone's had work done. There's a look. There's a look that you have and it doesn't look Normal well, especially natural. if you know that person, right? And you and you recognize that person. I I, I would much sooner. Uh, well, this is this is a weird thing to say, but if you were going to say who looks better at fifty-seven or sixty or whatever, Justine Bateman, who has allowed herself to look like a woman of that age, or Madonna, or who, who not allowed herself, just looks like she does. Well, <laughs> sure, but but not yeah, yes. yeah, not gone and got stuff done because yeah. she's a celebrity. Who looks better, uh, Justine Bateman, every single day of the week? Yeah, and this isn't a beauty contest thing. It's just what's the I understand that we all, many people fear aging. I just, I, I can't see how it's somehow a negative thing to be 57. Is, is being yeah. 57 not better than the alternative? Exactly. Exactly. I, I read a book last month actually called um, oh, This Chair Rocks. And it's about ageism being the last kind of barrier that people are are prejudiced against. You know, it's and yeah, it's and, one and of you them think for sure. of yeah, it of, is. Of, you know, and it's it's like it's not like anybody can stop it. Well, they'll try, and and, and that's what we do. We well, many people, and this is exactly what we're talking about. That they will try to find some way to stop it, but it. Yeah, but this book is all about like kind of embracing age and experience, and. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, um, maybe if you're. In your 30s and you're still in that very youthful phase in Hollywood or whatever and you get your eyelids lifted or something, maybe I can say, oh, well, oh, okay. But at a certain point, this is what I don't get for an actress, at a certain point, you're not getting those roles anyway. Right? If you're 57, chances are you're not getting the roles you got when you were 25. When you were 20. So why are you trying to pretend that you're still that age? That's what I don't get. And whether you're an actress or whether you're just whomever, I don't, it, I. I'm sure a lot of it is society pressure. And I'm, yes, and probably from other people in the industry mm -hmm. who are saying, oh, you know, you're a little wrinkly. You better yeah, feel. yeah. Are, mm, I don't know. I just, I, I, when I watch this and I watch the whole thing and I don't, you know, I, I, I really did not expect that I was going to watch a whole segment on women aging and wrinkles. I just did. Normally it's not like high in. From uh, Australia. From Australia. It's normally not something <laughs> I go, oh yeah, I'm looking that up. Now, I've never, I've never done a Australia? search. Australia? No, no, they just, I say 60 minutes Australia. They do amazing stuff oh. on amazing things. Um, but yeah, I've never like typed in a search for. <laughs> 57 year old wrinkles. I mean, I just, <laughs> but it just, you know, and, and she actually, this whole story came, she says, because she was writing a book or something and doing a Google search on herself to find some old information. And all she kept finding was Justine Bateman looks old. <sighs> and she was like, do I? And anyway, I just, it's a fascinating one that I don't quite, I don't quite understand the, the, the fact that, I mean, I understand why some people might do, I just don't understand that, again, she talks about this and there's other people writing about it, that somehow it's brave. It's brave. It's brave. It's brave to not change yourself. That's weird. Anyway. Annette Hom, Disney fan numero uno, well, no, do, numero dos, because her husband yes, would be numero, numero uno. uno. Yes, but she's a close second here in Hamilton. If if you ever have any Disney questions, Disney trivia, if there is, if you do trivia at your local pub and they're doing a Disney trivia night, I guarantee you, bring Annette. Oh, but it's too late. Well, that's true because she's going <laughs> to be in bed by five. <laughs> I wish they did these things at four o'clock. I'm so with Jamie Lee Curtis on that. Did you hear she wanted concerts to start like at, you know, Coldplay. Why don't they do a concert at one o'clock in the, the afternoon? Yes, the, the afternoon seating. <laughs> That's right. It's like going to dinner at Morrison's in the mall in Florida. <laughs> yes. When we, when we were first married, we were, you know, we went on a, remember the last minute club? 
Oh, the last oh minute I forgot all about that. So wait, like before the internet, for those who don't remember this, I'm sure many do, but before the internet, you would call, you joined, you paid like $25 a year or something and you called the hotline and you said, I want to go to Florida. And it's exactly like now you would look it up and find the last minute deals, but they found it. And so we went on this trip, very inexpensive to Florida. We were, we didn't have a lot of money. And every evening we'd go to the mall and go to Morrison's for dinner. And it was us and 300 people with bluish hair (laughs) (laughs) because you got an entree and three sides and a dessert and a salad. And it was all about $4. It was crazy. And I don't know that, you know, when I got my beef tenderloin, that may have been sliced from the side of Mr. Ed. I don't know. Oh. No idea, but you know, it That's was. a horse kid. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, from secretariat. Uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, but the, yes, those, those were the days. All right. So this is a bizarre story and we're not going to go too deep into the story. It's more just the overarching concept here. And there's a story in the New York, or where is this from? I don't even know. Uh, it's from. It's all over. Uh, I find it on Reuters It's from Kenya. Well. It's from yeah. Kenya. And it was in Nairobi last week, the Kenya Chess Championship. And a guy showed up wearing a hijab or a niqab. I'm not sure which one it was, but anyway. And claimed to be a woman and competed in the women's division and won the championship and then was busted for cheating as a man. We're not going to My get... first question here is why is there a woman's That's, chess All right, so we're not going to And gonna, a men's chess championship. We're not going to go into the cheating. All right? People can discuss that all. That's ex- your question is exactly what I was thinking. Why do we need in a non-physical sport where there's no strength issues or whatever else? Why do we need a men's and a women's? And this is not only in Kenya. There are, there are, you know, women's world chess championships. That would be like having like a women's euchre tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, even billiards. I mean, yeah. anything that, I mean, maybe somebody would say, well, there's some th- advantage that a man might have with reach or something. I don't know. Maybe, but any card game, any board game, any, uh, here we are, women's world chess championship, um, is uh, July 5 to 25 in uh, Shanghai, China. Um, So there is, like, this one I just don't understand. It almost, it almost is, and I don't know how you get around this, it is almost the organizer saying women are not as smart as men. Unless they're saying women are smarter than men and men are at the disadvantage. I don't know. But I'd like to think that. But I don't think that anyone, like, it... This seems like the kind of thing that by 2023, you have one event, one world championship. Yeah. Why you need to have a women's division, I can't. And is it a world championship or is it? This one, the women's world. national? Well, no, this is called the women's world chess championship. Wow. Why? And there's also the European women's chess championship. I'm just, I've just Googled women's world chess or women's uh, Finnish women's championship. Um, the f- yeah, there, there's a whole bunch there of There has it. to be a reason as to why they started. But yeah, but why, why would continue you continue? Now? Yeah, because you started it doesn't mean you have to continue doing it. And is the suggestion that men strategize differently and that your brains work differently? Like, here's the thing. As soon as you start talking about this, there are people who will immediately go, wait, you can't even say that. That means you're different. Well... Here's a, here's a news flash. We are different. The question is, where do the differences start and end? I mean, clearly we know that if you put a woman in a boxing match with a man, chances are in most cases, the man is going to, with extra strength is going to do better. That's not controversial. That's physiology. Most of the time that's going to be the case. There could be a, an outlier of a woman who can do better than the men, but, but intellectually like this kind of thing, is there, is there, is there some suggestion that we think differently strategically? I've never heard that. I've never, no one's ever said you can't have a woman general because 
a man general thinks about the battlefield differently than a woman yeah. does. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's why I like which which awards. Um, it's a Hollywood award show, and they've done away with best male actress, best female actress. Well, the Canadian announced. Screen Actors, I think the Canadian Movie Awards or Canadian Screen Actors, something they did it, and, they, and they've talked about it at other ones too. I thought it. it was one of the American ones has. They've done talked it about as well. it too. Yes, and in I'm the like, states. That's yeah. That's how it should be done. Y- that one. That's a really interesting one because. I, I do see the point of that. On the flip side, I do think that you, um, in a, in a, something like that, where it's judged, like with chess, it's, you're winning yes, or losing you win on or your or own there. Yes. I think you are going to hopelessly inject politics into the other one because, well, if we gave it to a man last year, can we possibly vote for a man again this year mm. because we're going to look like we're sexist or, and the man might have done the best performance ever. These are things that become so fraught with political landmines that I'm just, I think you might just be better to leave it out of the mix so that no one is saying, well, she, because all of a sudden, well, she won it because it was a woman's turn, diminishes what yes. she did then. Yeah. It may, she may have been by far the best, but if a guy won it three years in a row and then she won, people are going to say, well, she only got it because they had to give it to a woman or vice versa. Yeah. Or vice versa. And I just, uh, subjective judged things, I would rather just. But if it's a cut and dry, okay. This, this is, is, you win or you lose. you win or you lose. I just can't, I, I'd love to know if there, and, and it didn't even dawn on me until we started talking about this. I'd love to know if there's any suggestion or any psychologist or psychiatrist or sociologist holds to the view that we think differently strategically that would mean that you have to have a... Well, I, I wonder with chess if you, if they didn't start women's tournaments to kind of build, because traditionally it has been you know, something you learn as a boy. And that's, I remember when my sister learned chess, I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's different. neat. Yeah. That's different kind of thing. But I, I wonder if it was to give them more support, more encouragement kind of thing, but, but we don't need it now. I, I, well, I mean, look, I watched the Queen's Gambit. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, you haven't? It was filmed good. in Hamilton. I know that. I know It that. was filmed in, and it was actually, it was excellent. It was, uh, but no, I, it, this, this was one of the weirder stories that I've seen for that very reason. I'd love to know. I mean, it, it, maybe it's, it's something that we have to try and bring someone on at some point, but that even to that point, e, okay, let's say, let's, and I'm not saying this is the case, but let's just hypothetically say, okay, we do think differently. If you and I were to sit down on a chessboard, you would approach it differently because you're a woman than I would. Not because I'm a woman, just because I'm a different person. Well, see, okay, but we're talking here because yeah. they're having a women's tournament. So yes. I'm saying, theoretically, if they're saying we, you, you think things differently than I think things because something is, even so, why would that necessarily mean that your way wouldn't win? Mm-hmm. Right? We could be thinking entirely yes. differently. I could be thinking, they could say that because of testosterone, men are thinking attack, 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 and women are thinking defense, defense, defense. Again, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm throwing out the idea. What would make hockey teams have won the Stanley Cup playing defense and hockey teams have won the Stanley Cup playing offense? Football teams have won the Super Bowl because they've got a great offensive team and because they've got a great defensive team. What would, why would the, even if there was a complete chasm in our approach to it, why would that mean? And... Now I'm going here. Now, and no, I'm just sitting back with a bag of popcorn. No, no but, and, and, <laughs> and, and to your other point though, well, two guys, could two guys not have a totally different approach? Yes. So should we not then say left brain men competition, no, right brain men competition. the world championship. Right? You just, as soon as you start this, it seems to me you open up this can of worms to only lead to a conclusion that somebody is smarter than the other. How you choose to ch- put that together is up to you, but uh, this one is, this one makes no sense. Anyway, uh, Annette Hom, uh, at Monday morning, CHCH morning live as every morning, uh, yes. people can tune in at, for six, people who don't know, for oh, the- six till 11, or watch us online. You can stream us online on our YouTube channel or at chch.com. 
And uh, where have you hidden Bob Cowan's body since you got rid of him? Do you know what? <laughs> I, he pops up every once in a while on my Twitter feed. <laughs> oh, is Facebook. that right? Yes. Yeah. See, we just thought that someone had like done something and put him in the carbonite like no, Han Solo no. and he's in a closet somewhere. Yeah, because I wasn't, I wasn't there on his last day. So that's true. You, uh, that's you right. You thought I had something to do with it. We did. We thought you had skipped out because there was like a deep brooding resentment between the two of you. <laughs> yeah. And that you had worked a, a malicious, malevolent act no, behind the me, scenes. No, when he told me, he goes, this is the day, this is going to be my last day. And I'm like, I had a trip that was booked like before the pandemic and it caught, it kept getting, it was a cruise and it kept getting, it kept getting delayed and yes. delayed and delayed. And it's like, I'm not going to be here. <laughs> well, and, and, and what's it like? Have you, have you? grown completely exhausted with Tim Bolin yet? Not quite. No? Not quite. Okay, no, Tim's a good guy. Yes. Tim's a good guy. No, it's all good. That's uh, people, you can tune in, as I say, as Annette says, you can catch it on YouTube if you want. Wait, we love when you come in here. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.